Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh podcast. So today is probably the first solo episode I have done in a very, very long time. And it's nothing to do with Dallas, nothing to do with Jane or anything like that. I just feel that this is an episode that I think is one of those that's kind of coming up more and more from the people that I speak to on a daily basis, from the people that I speak with through DMs. And some of the stuff is something that I've dealt with and deal with on a daily basis. Um, someone's coming from a, has had issues with mental health and anxiety and body dysmorphia and all that kind of stuff. These are kind of some of the things that I feel that an awful lot of people can get caught up in. And a lot of them are, can be harmful and can be created as harmful. They are stories. So this episode is on six stories that are probably holding you back. So there is an amazing author called Anais Nin and she has kind of echoed some amazing ancient wisdom and when in one of her in one of her books she wrote that we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. So we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. So that's a true story. The idea that the world is just a reflection of our own thoughts, memories and experiences, which are our stories, is one of the most useful insights into happiness, success and self-development. Change those thoughts and the world changes with them. So when we talk about getting better, we have to talk, we have to talk about our stories. The personal narratives that we develop early in life, almost always almost out of fear, to be honest with you, can prevent us from becoming the people that we want to be. So in this episode, we'll be looking at some of the most common stories that hold people back in all walks of life and how you can move beyond these limiting stories to more accurate and empowering ones. So one of the most common ones that kind of comes up is, number one is, I'm just not good enough. So when you struggle, you might find yourself saying things like, I'm just not good, talented, smart, interesting, enough to succeed. Other versions of this story include, I am who I am. I was just raised this way. No matter how much I practice, I'll never beat people who are naturally gifted. These are all different versions of the same story. Same basic story that says, I'm just not good enough to achieve the things I want and there's no way I can get better. This is one of the most attractive personal narratives because it fundamentally lets you off the hook by for your own success. It lets you off the hook for your own success. Believing that you're simply not good enough exonerates you from the responsibility to change, grow and rise to challenges. Which makes sense. Change is hard work. But I ultimately don't believe it's hard. I actually believe it's very uncomfortable. Self-improvement is a road filled with pain, failure and rejection. Believing that your talent is fixed gives you permission to remain stagnant while shifting responsibility for your life to factors outside your control, your upbringing, your genes, your past. As painful as it is to believe, the story serves to avoid even more pain because you're attached to the story. So pain can only thrive if it is present. And if we are afraid to move on, we are attached to that story. We are attached to the past or we're attached to the future. But we cannot change the past. We cannot change the future. The only thing that we can really change is the here and the now. So if you ever read a book called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, he talks about being the importance of being present 
and the importance of kind of saying to yourself well I'm not the same person that I was five minutes ago or even one minute ago because something has changed I've breathed more times I've raised my eyebrows or I've clapped hands or I've seen someone else I've taken in more information you're not the same person as you were in the past but you are attached to the story the story is the bit that's holding you back because you're attached to the, the narrative that everything has to be perfect you're attached that nothing can go wrong when the, in, in, in the real world that's not possible it's the ego that is holding you back it's the ego that is protecting you as painful as it is to believe this story serves to avoid even more pain the pain of growth if you're just not good enough and you can't become good enough then there's no reason to try and improve because then you can't fail but in reverse and in reality you could be potentially failing by actually not doing what you think you should so how do we change the story there is an alternative to this story and that alternative is a growth mindset instead of treating your capability as fixed you can tell yourself I can grow and learn and I can change as a person by trying to work towards new goals by adopting that new story you're saying I am good enough right now I'm good enough to build on the talent I currently have in order to become more talented down the road this story serves you by reframing your current limitations as one stage in your ongoing evolution instead of thinking of your talent as fixed it opens you up to treat your talent as a dynamic process of constant self-improvement with incremental improvement as you transcend who you are and find out that who you are is constantly changing and ever evolving and it's never stagnant it's important to make this new story a reality as with all stories we begin to believe this alternative story the more you live it first approach your goals and activities with the sole objective of pushing yourself beyond your current capabilities focus on focus more on kind of trying new things new skills meeting new people and exploring your own talent than on succeeding probably for most people the real success is evolving as a person which was precisely what the old story prevents you from doing it's becoming the better the better version of yourself than you were five minutes ago acting like the person that you want to become along the way stay motivated by tracking your growth each day no matter how insignificant the events of the day seem write down the lessons you learned in a journal focus on moments of growth including and especially small ones this is something I talk about with my clients who are on weight loss weight loss journeys is non-scale victories because there's a massive difference between weight loss and fat loss weight loss is what you weigh fat loss is how you look how you fit in your clothes the measurements all that kind of stuff there's one thing that we can't control and that's our actions we can't control anything else this will allow you to see your own development as it happens and to replace the old story that your cap- that your capabilities are fixed. At wide intervals, say, once a month or even once a quarter, take a step back and study your progress. When you compare yourself to your last check-in, can you see a difference in your performance, in your self-conception? When you commit to daily reflection, then, those, then use those daily reflections to track progress over time. It becomes very difficult to believe that your capability is fixed. So it's adopting a growth mindset. And that's something that um, Dr. Carol Dweck talks about in, in, in her book, uh, Mindset. That nothing we ever do is fixed. The only two things that are ever true is that we come into this world and we leave this world. I'm in no way religious. And if you are, that's a massive credit to yourself. 
But the only two things that were guaranteed in life is life or death. Everything else we can manage. We can manage our expectations. We can manage our output. We can manage our, how much we kind of involve ourselves in things. How much that we actually want to change. But the thing is that it's normally the ego that is protecting us from from failure, from rejection. Oh, well, if I do this, it won't be. It won't happen. It's these stories that are created. These stories that you create in your mind right now have no actual factual evidence. How many times have you actually thought of something that was going to happen and it actually has happened? I would probably say very, very slim. If it's even 0.0001% of the time, that's still probably very, very little. If you got 99.9999% on an exam, you'd be doing pretty well in life. One of the other stories that kind of comes back is I'm too late. So whenever you see kind of a young entrepreneur landing millions in funding, watch a precocious young artist get attention or discover that someone has already built your product, you might think wistfully, it's too late. I can't compete with them. Or if you're on a weight loss journey, you think, well, because I'm potentially going through menopause or perimenopause, or if I've had kids, it's too late for me. I can't get to where I want to go. I can't feel comfortable in my own skin. But cool story. There's actually no evidence of this. Your metabolism doesn't slow down until you're probably in your 60s. Other versions of this story can include, I missed the boat on this opportunity. It's too late. I missed the major phase or moment here. I should have done this in my 20s. I'm too old. Every, everyone else is trying is trying to do it that is younger than me. I'm embarrassed to go through the awkward learning phase later in this life. I'm too old to go to the gym. Cool story. This story is appealing because it gives you another compelling reason to avoid the challenge of building something of your own and improving yourself in the process. It equates success with opportunity and suggests that there is a narrow window in which in which to achieve your goals which lets you off the hook if you've missed that window in its more personal forms this story also lets you obsess over age and experience it idealizes younger people and attributes their success to their age rather than their talent or hard work it automatically takes you out of the game and passes the baton to people who are hunger who are younger or less experienced or more accurately to people who don't buy into that narrative have you ever noticed that those who are younger probably fear less and they take more action but then there's a mid kind of section when you kind of go into your mid-20s into your kind of like your 40s and stuff like that you start to care about what people think and then you kind of go into your 50s and your 60s and the research will show that you start that at a certain point you start to care a lot less and you start to say what you actually really wanted to ever notice how your parents filter isn't really there yeah that's why changing the story rather than believe you've missed the boat try rewriting the story as i can take action now because the only thing that's stopping you is your ego because the truth is there's no such thing as too old ray Kroc was 52 when he met the mcdonald's brothers and opened his first franchise and 59 when he bought the business from them oprah winfrey was 29 when she first hosted a local tv show am chicago which would go down which would go on to become the oprah winfrey show there are a dozen stories like this from a historical perspective, any moment presents an opportunity to, to, to start something new. Amazingly, despite the dot-com boom, even people in the late 90s, early 2000s thought they were too late as they missed the 1970 hardware boom and 1985 development of the actual internet itself. They were wrong, of course. Just as builders today 
who believe they've missed the boat are ignoring a new wave of opportunities. The story that you're too late has been attractive at every point in history and every decade proves that story false. Another example would be, oh, it's too late for me to find a partner. It's too late for me to go out and find someone. I should be married by like I'm 29, 30. According to who? Social norms are dictated by media. Social norms are not the norm anymore. What is normal? Normal sounds boring to me, to be honest with you. You need to embrace and make this a new, this new story a reality. As time passes, your every moment creates a huge amount of opportunity and demands the talents of people of all ages. Despite our culture's obsession with youth and the way we tend to f- to kind of hone in on young creators, there's plenty of evidence that age and experience matter more, not less, in today's world. Older founders bring them with them the experience and maturity necessary to build great teams. They often understand markets and customers better because they've seen more of the world. They also have the benefit of understanding trends and phases in historical context and can and can see how the products fit into them. There are advantages to youth, to be sure, but there are met, there's just kind of a few advantages, possibly more, to age. So rather than treat yourself as age as a hurdle, reframe it as an asset. I'm not too late. I can take action now, and I can take action now because of my age, experience, and position in history. So one of the perfect examples is I'm too old to train or too old to go to the gym, or I'm you're in the gym and you're looking at other people and what they're doing. They've just started earlier than you. That doesn't mean you can't start. Think about it that way. It may take you a little bit longer to recover, but you're still doing something. Doing something that you've put off for years. Looking after your health, looking after your mental health. We need to start to capitalise on all of your related assets. Use the network you've accumulated over the years. Apply the wisdom you've gathered over time. What have you learned that could be costly for someone to earn, to learn firsthand? You have years worth of experience in networking in your field. How can you apply that unique value to the world around you? Frame your age and position as the assets they are, not the world and the world we see them as you do. Number three is I'm just not a lucky person. And this is one of these that if you think of someone in your life right now it's kind of like what they they're a lot luckier than me or whatever it may be but when you really enter a challenging period in your life possibly possibly during a moment of envy you might think I have no control over life I'm just not as lucky as other people other versions of this story include I was born into bad circumstances that's all that matters everyone else seems to get all the luck and opportunities the world is unfair to me it's a victim mentality this story is so attractive because it shifts events to an external locus of control and not just any external locus but a random and probabilistic one if life is about luck and you just aren't lucky then there's a little role for hard work and you don't have to take action at the same time you attribute other people's good fortune to random chance rather than talent and determination are you starting to see the thread here you may look someone on social media and say well why do they have this uh, why is their business it this way Yes, there's an element of, there could be an element of luck, 100%. Meeting the right person at the right time, using their network, which I've spoken about already. But you're not seeing what they've done to get to that background. You are in control of, of way more than you actually think. As Chuck Swindoll said, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. 
What you perceive as lucky usually plays a much smaller role than it seems. If luck matters, it's only because of the hard work and preparation that led up to it. So try reframing this story as I can create my own opportunities. Ironically, this is precisely the story that many lucky, lucky people have or believe. This version serves you better by pushing you to take ownership of your life and, and become more accountable for your actions. It dispels the mystical quality of luck and replaces it with hard work. Again, a common thread of these alternative stories. Stories that have no evidence. It also forces you to look at other people's success as a product of effort, not random chance. Random chance is rolling a dice. If someone's building a business or someone's actually looking after themselves or putting themselves first, that's not random chance. That's the thing called boundaries. That's the thing called looking after themselves. As we'll discuss in a moment, this version also invites more luck into your life. And how do we make this a reality? First, we notice what the original version of the story did for you. It provided a false comfort, in an easy rationalization and a way to gain sympathy, a victim mentality, while, all, while keeping you stagnant, safe and bitter. Seeing that a flawed story does, does to you is the first step of rewriting it. A story, like a chapter, that's a chapter in a book. It doesn't have to be the full story. Second, start behaving as if luck weren't the main factor driving success. Even if even if you don't believe it, try that alternative story as an experiment. Examine other people's successes and look for the actual hard work decisions and mindset that made it happen. At the same time, examine your own success or lack of it. In what ways are you waiting for luck to strike before you can make it? How has it? How has not believing in your own luck held you back? Ultimately, this new story isn't designed to remove the element of luck from your life. In fact, it's only be by kind of deprioritizing luck that can we actually invite more of it into our lives. If luck is preparation meets opportunity, as the saying goes, then we need to constantly be prepared for and identifying these opportunities. Only then can really luck serve us, where we're not busy exaggerating it or its importance or denying its possibility. So if you think of another version of this alternative story is, I'm a lucky person, potentially as lucky as other people, but I have to work harder for that luck. Hard work isn't a bad thing. Boundaries aren't a bad thing. Looking after yourself isn't a bad thing. It latches back onto the whole story of the self-worth. Self-worth is a story. It's an, and it becomes the identity. And we hide that behind that identity to protect us rather than actually doing the uncomfortable work to get to the, to become the person or be, to get to go where we want to go. We would rather not do it and fail. On a practical level, you can start creating your own opportunities by executing in small ways. List out three ambitious goals and five steps that you can take to achieve them. Look at each goal's first step and list out three of the smallest steps you can make you can take to make progress towards them. You should have nine small steps you can take. Then spend the next week executing each one of these. This is what people mean when they tell you to be proactive or create your own luck. In the process, you'll find out it seems to like to seems like luck is almost always execution. And then that when 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 luck does strike, it tends to strike those who have hustled for it. And there's a fine line between hustle, hustle, hustle and work 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 and not finding a balance trust me i've been there at the same time becoming more mindful of luck you do have do you have kids do you have a roof over your head are you taking that shit for granted this is a form of gratitude and an important part of all self-development each night review or write down three things you're grateful for people will find this uncomfortable this is one of the notes that we put onto our check-ins what three things are you proud of this week it's very difficult to do it if you don't believe you're worth it it could be literally I wipe my own ass could be one of them 
These things could be plans you're excited about, a book you're reading, a person you just met, or a step you took today. Not only does this change your lens, it also helps you discover some valuable assets you've been ignoring in your old story. Number four, the world should love me for who I am. The story, when we confront the need to change, whether it's our networking habits or our physical appearance, we often justify the decision at the same time. A familiar story that makes an appearance is I don't need to change. The world should appreciate me for who I already am. Other versions of the story include I want to remain true to myself. I shouldn't have to change to please other people. The world shouldn't tell me who, who to be. This might be one of the most seductive of all the stories we're discussing here because it contains a kernel of truth. On the one hand, we want to constantly strive to become a better people. On the other hand, we want to constantly strive to be better, more of ourselves, to be authentic and confident. This seems like a contradiction and that's why the story is so compelling. The story is also attractive because it protects us from the pain and insecurity of growth. If you feel like change threatens your identity, you have great reason to avoid it. Armed with this narrative, you're empowered to stay the same because you believe that you should love, your dis- you, should love you despite your limitations. On a closer look, our real goal in life isn't to simply be ourselves, but to be the best version of ourselves. So a more helpful story would be, the world should love me for the best version of who I am. And ultimately, if you're believing your own bullshit and the stories that you've told yourself, you're not giving the best version of yourself. The story serves you better by placing you in a growth mentality and driving you to change. But this isn't the kind of service level change that is designed to please other people. If your goal is to be the best for you, then you avoid the temptation to change for the world, which was the premise of the flawed story. Believing that the world should love the best version of you also allows you to evolve while protecting your authenticity. You're still going to be who you are, but discovering what else you can change, hopefully by the better, becoming a better version of yourself. Once you let go of the idea that the world must love you no matter what. How to make this a reality. First, stay focused on your core values and beliefs and use them to guide your self-development. If you've never thought about them before, write them down now. Review them every week. Whenever you come across something that really makes you question and modify your beliefs, don't let pride or ego get in the way of your growth. Ask yourself if the transformation is serving you your best self and follow the journey. Along the way, test this new story by noticing how the world reacts to your changes. Do your co-workers treat you differently when you start taking your leadership more seriously? Does your daily life change when you get into shape? Does your family respond differently to when you make an effort to connect? If the world should love you for the best version of who you are, which is true, then find out if it does. In some cases, you won't get the response in the world you expected. This is where the new story becomes most interesting. Your family might resent you that you've lost weight. Your co-workers might become envious of your newfound passion for yourself and looking after yourself first. These reactions might seem to reinforce the original story that the world should have loved you for who you were. But that might also be the evidence that you were becoming the best version of yourself and that you, you, get, you ultimately get to define the world. That's why people who believe this alternative story start to make radical changes in their lives, distancing themselves from unsupported friends and family. I've ticked that box. Landing inside new roles and jobs. Tick that box. And surrounding themselves with similarly inspired people. Tick that box. Have you ever noticed when you look at the people who we potentially put up on pedestals, they probably ticked all those boxes along the way number five change requires major effort when you think about changing you might envision an extreme commitment for example you think about getting healthy and immediately imagine having to lose 50 pounds the underlying story is i can't change because i don't have the time energy or dedication to make such a massive transformation this story also manifests as i need to read more but it'll take a few months to read a book I need to start working out, but I can't make it to the gym five times a week. I should really get out more, but that means I have to sign up for a bunch of dating sites. I need, I know I need to network, but that's a full-time job. 
If a change requires extreme transformation, then we are a compelling reason to put it off. When you jump to the extremes of the end result, the change seems unreasonable and so perfectly acceptable to put it off. Oh, I'm going to jump, go to the gym five times. I'm going to cut out carbs. I'm going to cut out chocolate. Sound familiar? We don't read because we can't speed read through the stack of books. We don't work out because we can't become fitness fanatics with six packs. As a result, all change remains in the impossible future. It's a story. The best change is moderate. And even extreme change happens slowly in pieces over time. So try rewriting the story to change requires also small adjustments. And see how this new story frees up you up to transform. You can see how this new story would make the examples much more practical. You know you need to read. So you decide to get through 10 pages a day or a night, shall I say. No one's timing you. And in a few months, you've read that biography sitting on your bookshelf for years. Similarly, you need to start working out to go for a walk every other day. Sign up for a yoga class. Book in with a coach. Get a coach. Just like that, you're exercising without a huge commitment. You are putting one foot in front of the other. You're showing up that little bit more than you had been. doesn't mean you're showing up every single day. It means that you're showing up that little bit more often than you normally would. And when it comes to networking, you might not become a super connector tomorrow, but you could reach out to a new person once a week and introduce two new people to once a month. DM someone. LinkedIn someone. This story serves you a hell of a lot better by breaking changes into little steps and small adjustments to be completed over time. The funny thing is, most change isn't extreme and shouldn't be. When you're planning your change, think in terms of small improvements every day. If you improve just by 1% every day, you'll improve 37 times by the end of the year. As the author James Clear writes, it might not be noticeable in the short run, but the aggregated changes will be meaningful in the long run. I compare it to if you're saving for a mortgage, you don't manage to get your mortgage on the first paycheck, but you consistently save over time to get to your goal. It's the exact same thing. If you ever feel overwhelmed or blocked, shift your focus to immediate goals. Get your tasks done for one day. You might be far from your goal on any given day. You don't have to be far away from your daily commitment. Recognize the train of thought that obsesses over you. You need to be in the future. You can't control the future. You can't control the past. You can only control the now. Trust the process. If you commit to small change moment to moment, then you'll wake up one day to find that major transformations magically happen. That's why I love sometimes when I'm talking to clients and say if they've been on a weight loss journey or someone's coming to me to get their cycle back or someone's managing their PCOS or someone's looking to improve fertility and we kind of look at well, what the goal is. The end goal is X. All right, so what do we need to get to X? We need to do this, this and this, this many times a week over a month in order to get to the end goal. It's like you know what your end goal is when you go to work to get a paycheck. If you didn't get that paycheck, you probably wouldn't go to work. It's the exact same thing. You need to have the end goal in sight. The next one that kind of comes through, and I've heard this a good few times, is the world owes me. When you're dissatisfied with life and feeling like your goals aren't falling as you expected, you start to think, I'm not getting what I deserve. The world owes me something. I know someone's listening to this right now and nodding. Other versions of this story include, I'm waiting for my moment to come. People aren't living up to their promises to me. I deserve. Insert goal or objective. Things will work out on their own. If I want it badly enough, it will happen. 
when we talk about entitlement, this is the story we're talking about. It's incredibly attractive because it shifts responsibility for your achievements onto everything except you. You get to become the victim who was denied a promise by the world to take comfort in the mentality. You then grow, you then grow uncomfortable, or then sorry, you then grow comfortable wanting, wishing, waiting, and believing that the story will magically attract the things you want in your life. Instead of believing that the world owes you something, try out a new story. I'm entitled to the rewards of my hard work and nothing more. That version of the story offers a healthy version of entitlement in which you deserve the fruits of your labor rather than someone spoken promise from the world. It ties entitlement to effort. And it's called toxic positivity if you ever listen to the, the, the episode with Dr. Robin. It prevents you from thinking that worlds, that the, the things that will work out simply because they have to. Remember, the world doesn't care about what you love. The world pays for what it needs. So you have to work at the intersection. Ultimately, the world owes you jack shit and you must accept reality on reality's terms. And so ultimately, the world owes you nothing and you must accept reality on reality's terms. And that is a definition from, I think it's a guy called Dr. Drew Pinsky, and that's his definition of mental health. So ultimately, the world owes you nothing and you must accept reality on reality's terms. Start by looking at the assumptions of your old story. What do you believe the world owes you and why? What By what virtue does the world owe you anything? If it hasn't lived up to that promise, then where, then where did it go wrong? Once you look at the premises of the old story, you will find that it, that it quickly falls apart. Next, think about the role you might play in getting the world to give you what you want. What would you do to get to where you deserve? What have other people who have achieved these things done differently for you? Inevitably, you will find that any accomplishments requires hard work and conscious effort rather than abstract desire or expectation. Oh, I deserve this. Bullshit. Are your, are your, is your input matching your expectation? Oh, I've only lost X amount of weight. I've only lost X amount of fat. I'm not losing any weight anymore. But have you put the actions into place in order to get to where you want to go? And more often than not, they're probably not in line. One's taking a left turn, one's taking a right turn. At the same time, look at your heroes right now. Read their biographies and study their lives. See if they had any, had had a kind of an entitlement mentality. Did they behave as they would or the world owed them? If not, what did they do? What stories they adopt to accelerate their growth? And see what these principles apply to you over over time. Think about it. Tiger Woods. Think about Serena Williams. Oprah. They've just shown more up more often than not. Yes, they've had they've met the right people at the right time, but that's through perseverance. That's from knocking on doors. That's actually from networking. That's doing the unsexy stuff that most people don't want to do. Plan out some action steps and start to actually work towards the things you feel entitled to. Because you're entitled to jack shit. Break them down into smaller goals. As you start taking these baby sex steps, examine the results. See if you're closer to your goals for having worked them or merely expecting them to happen. This process might be difficult and sometimes scary. You might have invested a large part of your life in the story of entitlement. But the freedom and excitement of seeing the delusion far outweigh the security of believing it. So try on the new story and see how it kind of lights you up. Ultimately, these stories will have one underlying premise in common. They deflect responsibility for your success onto other things or other people. They deflect 
deflect. As a result, they deliver a dangerous one-two punch by keeping you stuck in one place and a compelling reason to stay there. Stories. At the end of the day, though, you have one real control over one thing. Three-letter word. Y-O-U. You. To honour that commitment, start rewriting your unproductive stories into empowering ones. Examine each story that frustrates you and explore the alternative as you live the new story. You'll find that slipping back into the old one will become less and less attractive. Will you slip back? Potentially. But that's when you're going to have to work that a little bit harder. That's when you're going to have to work that a little bit smarter. Look at your goals that you've been writing down. Over time, these stories will forge your identity and become part of you who you are. Now, not of who you are from your previous. Because you cannot control your past. You cannot control the future. The only thing that you control right now is your actions and what you do on that day. You have complete control over your actions. The thoughts that are coming in are just beliefs. Beliefs are not facts. Break a column into two pieces on, on, on an A4 sheet right now. Left hand side fact, right hand side opinion. Write out what those thoughts are you have in those in your mind right now and say and break them down into fact via opinion. I guarantee the opinion column will be will be pretty busy compared to the actual fact thing. And look at why are these appearing? Have I been told something? But what will happen then is you've got confirmation bias. So when someone has said something to you negatively because they have said that you're not worthy or you can't lose weight or whatever means you fail so many times, you're looking for that out. Because your story over time is that you don't believe you're worthy of looking and feeling how you want to, you're looking for someone else to confirm that bias and that becomes your truth. When in reality, the truth wasn't the truth. It was a false false professing story and narrative that you have created. And you're offering the world the worst version of you by not looking after you by not putting you first, by not saying no to more things, by not putting the small actions into place. You probably are amazing at giving out advice to other people, but when it comes into reality, you're shit at kind of bringing it into your own thing. If you want to do something, you are going to have to probably put in a little bit more slog than you probably are right now. The only difference between someone that you put up on a pedestal or some celebrity or someone's growing an Instagram following or writing a book or uh, starting a podcast and you're looking at how they've done it and why they're they're at a certain level, they've done the work in the background. You cannot expect to be CEO on the first day when you start a new job unless you're going self-employed. You have to face the harsh reality. You are in control of what you can control. By trying to control everything you actually control, probably fuck all of it. That's the ironic thing. Remember, you cannot control the past. You cannot control the future. But you can control the now. Those stories haven't directed you. If you wanted to write the new book and write your own next chapter, you have full power over that. No one else. No one else can stop you. There will be times where it goes a little bit arseways. There will be times where it goes left or right. But the one thing that I can guarantee you right now is if you take action, write out the fact of the opinion stuff, journal, 
be prepared to get a little bit more uncomfortable and ask yourself is this story serving me the way I want to go right now if it is not something needs to change so guys I hope that episode has helped the six stories that are holding you back it's one of those episodes I'm not sure if it's going to hit home hopefully it has it's some of those things that kind of struck home for me along the way and they've some of them hit home uh, for myself and I know if I can talk from experience unsexy stuff is generally what's going to drive you in the right direction but you got to know what direction you want to go first if you don't know what direction you want to go first well then you're just going to keep going on a roundabout so hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode if you enjoyed the episode guys please do tag uh, me up on your story and leave a review up on itunes so guys so thank you so much for listening have an amazing day